them. Two unnecessary <laughs> eggs. <laughs> you pointed like at me three. like I was going <laughs> to say it, and then you started talking Because <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to say it, so I was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> gotta, gotta give me a second to read. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite one yet. <laughs> They just get progressively more chaotic as we go on every week. They do. Week. They do. <laughs> well, whoever's listening to it can see the title of our podcast anyway, so. You that know. is true. You should already know what you're doing here. <laughs> um, and we're sorry. <laughs> uh, so. Anyway. <laughs> anyways, uh, welcome to the pod. Um, Julia, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking an April Spritz, despite the fact that we got two feet of snow, I just felt like it was appropriate, you know? Summer drink in the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah, it's a classic winter drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. How's, how's school going? It, it's, I, it's going. I'm in my third week, but it feels, I, I think I'm in my third week. Am I in my third week? Maybe I'm in my fourth week. No, I'm in my third week. You're in your no, third week. I'm definitely in my third week. Yeah. See, this is my problem. It feels like I'm in like two months in because I already had a 12-page paper due and a whole pre- 10, 15-minute presentation. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, that lasts like weeks because usually you have so much time to do that. No, I had mm-hmm. like a week and a half to do that with my group and it was chaotic. I feel you. Um, so that's how that's going. More exciting though... I got a new keyboard. It's yes, I saw. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> it sounds similar to a typewriter, but not quite. As my dad pointed out, <laughs> I showed it to my dad. And the first thing he goes is like, she's clearly never used a real typewriter before. And I was like, well, you know what? <laughs> Parental sass. We all need it sometimes. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So that's that's me. How? What are you drinking? What? Are, what's up with you? Um, I'm drinking a Toscana wine from Trader Joe's. <laughs> it sounds so fancy at first, and then you're like, from Trader Joe's. I know. Well, so the cork was horrible on this wine. It took me four tries to get it out because it was so soft and crumbly. Oh, God. Which is never a good sign. That's um, not a good sign. It's a very mediocre bottle of wine. That's what I get for buying a seven dollar bottle of wine from Trader Joe's <laughs> which you know if you're getting an Italian wine for seven dollars it's not good <laughs> um but yeah I mean it is what it is we're here we're drinking it's fine um and I don't know life's okay work's been extremely busy um per usual I'm just trying to get through Wrapping my arms around this current project that I'm on and making sure that I fully understand what I'm doing as well as providing enough support to the rest of the team um, if they need help with anything. And it's just been just been messy, but we're getting there. And then uh, I'm becoming a parent. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Soon. Interesting way of putting it. Well, I mean, it's basically what I'm, I'm like quasi You're adopting. You're not pregnant. No, I'm not, not even close. I'm so alone. <laughs> it's not happening. I'm basically like fostering a 14 year old. <laughs> She's going to become my ward. <laughs> For how long? Uh, it's going to be a month 
to start, but we'll see how it goes. Have fun. So it could be the whole semester. Thank you. Yeah, it should be interesting considering I use her room as much as I use my room. Like, I'm always in the guest room, like, working out or just, like, sitting in there reading just to hang out in my beanbag chair. So it'll be interesting to, like, have to share that space. (laughs) Because I'm so used to this two-bedroom house being all of my bedrooms. Oh. But it'll be fine. Um... Still haven't bought a bed frame. Uh, <laughs> just just don't buy one. Just be cool. I don't want to be a 24-year-old man. That's just not the vibe I'm going for in life. My favorite thing that I've ever seen on the internet is this side-by-side photo. One photo is just, like, this flat pillow, like, so flat. And the other one is, like, a bed with 20 pillows. And it's, like, my boyfriend versus me. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) It haunts me. Yeah, I'm more the boyfriend until you look at what's on my bed. And then you see the hot pink body pillow and you realize (laughs) it's for a girl. (laughs) So I still need to figure out what I'm going to do in this space. Um, Haven't even thought about it really i haven't either i know that's why i also haven't thought about it i'm like waiting for a suggestion i will get there i will get there you know what i'm gonna write myself a sticky note i have sticky notes i'm gonna write it right now <laughs> thank you help Chantel. so anyways yep that's my life uh, <laughs> still just forever trying to decorate this house and my rug finally came. That's big news. Oh, good. So good. I need to get it set up downstairs. You have a rug um, before you have a bed. Yep. <laughs> Priorities. That's correct. Yep. Um, and yeah, just ex- been doing a lot of reading and excited to keep doing some more reading this weekend. Um, all right. So let's just get into it. So this this week we're talking about chapters 12 and 13 of The Cruel Prince. And boy, do we get some action this week. It is a busy couple of chapters. A lot of stuff happens in in these two chapters. So we should just dive right into the synopses. Julia, do you want to kick us off with chapter 12? Yes, I do. Yes, I'd love to take chapter 12. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Jude wakes up in the dark and has overslept as classes have already begun, but she isn't going to go. Tatterfell left her some coffee and toast, and Jude tries to get somewhat cleaned up from the prior day, which she refuses to think about, focusing all of her energy on her mission to find treason from Balakin. She craves the power Dane can grant her very much, (laughs) so will do whatever she can to help him become chosen as heir. She puts on the servant's dress, and we learn other people in Fairy keep human servants have humans around to help with things which puts into contrast how different jude's situation is to be clear uh maddox does not have any human servant servants no he just has human companions yeah (laughs) which makes it sound really weird but yeah um we learn a lot of them are glamoured so they don't realize where they are when helping with tasks and get gifts bestowed upon them when being returned unless you cross a fairy or meet a heinous one in which case bad things will happen which is probably what happens with Balakin's servants 
definitely Jude, what happens yeah. with Bill and <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> find out later. Jude knows that being beneath... Jude notes that being beneath... I don't know why I just, like, can't read. Um, she knows that being beneath notice has advantages. Yeah, if she's, like, beneath the notice of others. Like, no one's noticing Oh, my her. God. I see you. I understand. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to get sleep. It tries to leave, but then runs into Vivi, who wants to talk about the day before. <laughs> Jude's like, not now, Vivi. <laughs> Like, that's their running commentary in her mind is not now. Yeah. Um, and says that Taryn feels awful about what happened. Um, Jude really doesn't want to hear about it. Uh, she's trying to block it from her mind. And if he continues to try to get her to talk, but Jude's being a brat and leaves. Literally just goes, not now. <laughs> leaves. Um, but recognizes she is being a brat, but she, she has to do this because it's the only thing keeping her kind of above the water right now is this task. Mm-hmm. She has a small panic attack and then takes the giant toad to go to Hollow Hall, since that is apparently the less conspicuous type of mount, which, like, was such a good lie. <laughs> Only in fairy would a giant toad be less conspicuous. Than a horse? Than God. a horse. <laughs> she gets near the hall, ties up her mount, and picks some mushrooms, so it looks like she has a reason to be outside. Um, inside she sees a troll and a pixie cooking with two humans chopping things, and they are, I love this, high glamoured, do we know? Probably glamoured. <laughs> uh, so that their eyes are glazed over, and well, she Well, they could have been that... high on fairy fruit, that was what I was trying true. to say. That is true. More likely they're glamoured, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Jude comments that they wouldn't know or care if they cut off their own fingers. Someone grabs Jude, but she manages to pretend enough to get away. She sees a number of servants and guests milling about with the Fae sleeping and passed out from Nevermore. She wanders through, finding the weird decorations Balekin has unsettling. She is searching for treason, but ends up stealing a copy of Alice in Wonderland and realizes she is in Carden's room. She starts to panic, thinking this whole plan is a ruse for Carden to get at her, but calms herself down, saying Dane wouldn't have given her a a gius gius just for Carden. She just hopes no one looks too closely at her, since both Balikin and Carden could technically recognize her. Which is my question. Like, did nobody think about this beforehand? Like, she's known. (laughs) But whatever, we'll get get back to this. (laughs) She starts wonder- wandering again, finds a mini orgy, completely natural, right? Some so dust- natural. <laughs> some dusty rooms, and eventually a library. Here she finds a lot of artifacts and maps, and a note about blusher mushrooms, and not wanting to know what will be done with them, and that a debt has been paid. Hoo hoo hoo. <sighs> it apparently is in a feminine handwriting, which, okay, interesting. Uh, so she traces it and then has to fold it up quickly, unfinished, because she hears people coming. Balakin enters with Cardin and a fancy sword and wants Cardin to spar with him. Cardin doesn't want to do it and is a shit fighter, <laughs> so Balakin keeps getting hits off of him. And Cardin asks why they have to do this. Balakin says he has tried to prove Cardin, but Cardin refuses to learn and wants to waste his days away. He makes a comment about Cardin's pathetic romances, and Cardin shows some level of skill in retaliation, but Balakin disarms him. Such a teenage boy. Don't insult his girl! (laughs) He'll fight! 
He tells Carton he has failed the test again and asks when he will cease being a disappointment. Ooh. Uh, this part gets rough. Trigger warning for some yeah. uh, kind of, uh, I guess we could call it domestic violence. Um, yeah. Abuse. Uh, general abuse. abuse. I lost my spot. Carton <laughs> retorts. <laughs> I am a mess today. Carden retorts it will be when he stops pretending he doesn't do this for his own pleasure. And Balakin says their father and his seed were weak when Carden was born. Okay, are we reading YA or are we reading adult? What's happening? The lines are being blurred. Like, I feel like as we all get older, the lines are just being blurred. Balakin makes Carden take his shirt off and whips him. Jude knows in a different time she would be glorifying in this, but in this moment she sees fear in Carton and the bravado he covers it up with and sees herself in him. Carton grabs the sword and acts like he will stab the servants, and Balakim says to do it and show he is capable of it, but Carton says he's not a murderer. Balakim hits him back to the floor and starts the whipping again. Jude then realizes how Carton became what he is and how much worse he could become if he continues to be very aptly worded, groomed by Billikin, and this scares her. And that was the end of chapter 12. Yep. It's a pretty dark chapter over it's, all around. It's, uh, it's an extremely dark chapter. I just had a pop culture thought, so I'm gonna write it down quickly. Okay, okay so, once we're done with, uh, Jude's little escapades in chapter 13, she goes to the palace of Elfheim to report back to Prince Dane, uh, and it's even easier for her to sneak into the palace than it is for her to sneak into Hollow Hall, which is a security nightmare. Come on, guys. Like, pay attention to what's going on. Um, so she sneaks in and goes straight to Dane's room. No problem. And she's able to relax once inside his room, drops her sort of, like, charmed servant demeanor that she's been um, having so that people don't recognize her, and describes his room a little bit, because we all know how much Jude loves her descriptions of things. (laughs) She then gives him the half-finished, crumpled note, um, and says that it smudged because Balakin came in while she was copying it, and she was just barely able to hide. She also notes to herself Um, because this is Jude's narration style, that she left her stolen copy of Alice in Wonderland back with the toad, so Prince Dane doesn't know that she also stole a book. He asks if she enjoyed it, doing the spying, and she ponders, noting that she was frightened the whole time, but she did actually enjoy it because she knew the rules to win the game, even if she was terrified while playing it. Um, And though she introspectively realizes you know, that that's true that she was having fun. She recognizes that the mood kind of shifted when Cardin started getting beat, but she doesn't really want to examine how Cardin getting beat made her feel. So she, again, blocks that out of her line of thinking because she doesn't want to examine her own. She loves suppressing her emotions. She's a big, yeah, she loves suppressing everything. Uh, And Taryn just lets it all in. (laughs) Like, Woodworks does everything, so... Um, it's funny that they're twins. Anyway, so a goblin comes in named the Roach, not Roach, the Roach, very important (laughs) distinction, and he says he's gonna eventually take her to meet the rest of the spies, and that they'll come up with a nickname for her, um, and 
she was like, oh, well, can I pick my own name? And he's like, no, we'll pick one for you. And then she gives a sarcastic comment about, like, that being great. And he notes that it would come in handy to be able to not say what you mean. Because, again, all fairies are so fascinated with her ability to lie. And then she just monologues internally and thinks about what Maddox would say about all of this, but knows that he wouldn't be pleased because this whole job goes against the honor of being a soldier and sort of like Maddox's honor code. Um, after studying the note, Dane says that Balakin has been blackmailing Queen Orlog, which is Nikasia's mother, if I remember correctly, uh, to get poison, which I guess blushing mushrooms are poison. Cool. <laughs> Uh, and the roach says it's likely that he's going to try to use the poison against Dane before the coronation since there's nothing he can do once Dane has been crowned. Because if we remember back to many chapters ago, the crown that actually like symbolizes Queen Mab's line um, can only be passed in a direct line from like blood personnel to blood personnel. So if once Dane gets crowned, it basically has to go to his son or daughter. I am understanding that correct, right? Yes. Okay. Um, great. So Dane explains to Jude that him and Balakin have never gotten along, but he had oh, really... Wait. Oh, That might be wrong. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I think it just has to be anyone from Mab's lineage at all. So as long as they have blood in them from Mab's lineage, yeah, because that becomes important later on. Because it said a direct, unbroken line, so I assume that yeah. meant a line downwards... I think it just means... Because they also say, like, you're not going to get... Once Dane has the crown on his head, there's no way that Balakin can get it off. And so I thought that that literally meant he cannot get it off because it can only then be passed to one of Dane's descendants. It's a really good question that I'm trying to remember. Because this is important later on. I just cannot, for the life of me, remember. Okay, well, I'll take the hit if I'm wrong, because I've never read the series, so people can't get too mad at me. I can't believe I can't remember that. Oh my god, that's so important. Okay. Hey, if you have a problem with what we're saying, write in and tell us, so we know you're listening. I'll look it up later. <laughs> I'm gonna make a note. It's all fine. Um, so, so Dane, yeah, like I was saying, Dane explains to Jude that they've never gotten along him and Balakin, but he was really hoping that Balakin wouldn't stoop to this level to try to kill his own brother. Jude asks if they should also be worried about Princess Elowen, and Dane doesn't answer. And then the Roach chimes in, saying that Balakin might try to marry her, because killing <laughs> two siblings is too obvious. So he can instead shut her up by marrying her. And Dane chuckles and says that if he marries Elowen, she won't stab him in the back, she'll stab him in the front. Uh, <laughs> which surprises Jude, because she thought Elowen was gentle, but then she realizes there's a lot she doesn't know about the royal family because uh, she's not part of the family like she really knows nothing about them uh, the roach is getting ready to take her to meet the others but before she goes uh dane enacts the yes jeez jeez i love that we just like don't know how to say this and we refuse to look it up uh, and he enchants her not to be able to tell anyone anything about the stuff or put it into writing or song, even though she's wearing the rowan berries. Obviously, that can't protect her because this is like binding magic for her own personal enchantment. And she hates the feeling because she feels out of control. And in her brain, as it's happening, she's trying to find a way around it, but she can't. And then she 
flashbacks and thinks back on when they were first riding into Fairy um, and coming in with Maddox. She notes that, you know, while Maddox may have hated probably their chatter and their tears because they were so upset that he just murdered their parents, <laughs> he did never enchant them to shut up uh, and didn't do anything to make the trip back easier on himself, which again goes to his sense of honor um so although dane is doing something to protect himself she's kind of wavering in her decision to serve him because he's not like her daddy so and then he asks if she knows what i mithridatism is and suggests that she looks into it I have no context for what this means. I will be asking you later. Um, oh, I... <laughs> thanks, Julia. You're welcome. Great. Well, I'll still ask about it later. Maybe Google it. Um, so her and, her and the roach start walking along. They get into a cabinet, and the cabinet then transports them to a new place. And he starts leading her along um, because she can't see in the dark, and they're in, like, sort of dark passages they enter into an underground network of passages and she's wondering about who knows about them and then kind of grins to herself because she realizes Cardin probably doesn't know about these passages jude asks the roach if he'll tell her what's going on and he tells her that she just needs to figure it out and they keep walking down another dimly lit tunnel um and then go past a locked door that the roach opens and <laughs> Jude walks straight into a door, making him, making the roach laugh because he's like, oh, you really can't see. And she reminds him that she said that she couldn't see, but he points out that she can lie. So he's never going to trust anything that she says. (laughs) And she's wondering why he thinks she would lie about that, but then realizes if she had lied, he might have been incautious and revealed something that she shouldn't know, which is therefore why he trusts nothing that she says. Um, They enter into a room, which is the lair of the spies, and there are two fairies that Jude doesn't know sitting at a table in the middle of the room, and Roach welcomes her to the Court of Shadows. And that is the end of the chapter. Da-da-da. Good good cliffhanger. Like, not too much, but, like, a nice, good stopping point. Yeah. Um, All right, so let's get get into our comments for, for chapter 12. All right chapter 12 uh first of all it opens with like her talking about how i think she was just feeling like super tired and like didn't want to get out of bed let me find this again and i was just like that is me during the pandemic like i go to sleep early and when i wake it is full dark my head hurts maybe from sleeping too long and my body aches i must have slept with all my muscles tense like i was like that is me trying to sleep during the pandemic it's tough Obviously, she's coming from a very different situation, but I was like, I have never related to her more. Probably won't relate to her after this. He's yeah, going to say, you but. didn't just get forced to get drunk and have someone tell you to take off all of yeah. your clothes in front of all of your friends. No, so, no, no. You just hung but. out with your parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just a heavy weight of living, you know? <laughs> I get that. I totally get that. <laughs> um, uh... Also, I was reading a whole article, though, about how everyone is more tensed up at night than they usually are because of the pandemic. Like, we are tensing our jaws more than we usually do. Mm. Like, stuff like that. I thought that was very interesting. Anyway, interesting. I know. Just a fun little anecdote there. 
Uh, the whole showering sequence, she, like, very descriptively goes over, like, cleaning herself off and stuff. But, like, there was something about this that just, like, brought to memory the last book and all of Evelyn's showering. Like, every single chapter. Oh, the shower, the shower. <laughs> that's a I, pop culture reference, Julia. Oh, that's not a pop culture reference. I'm just just bringing it back to the other book. You're right, it's not popular. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I thought it was interesting that she stole a copy of Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt very, very apt. Very. It made me think a lot about how maybe connected that is like did Hallie Black take elements of Alice in Wonderland like she is Alice in this whole wonderland of strange I guess that could be a kind of pop culture but um she's a fish out of water and there's chaos happening all around her and like evil royalty and all this stuff yeah I think she rides it a little bit better than Alice does like Alice let (laughs) things happen to her Jude yeah is margin to the beat of her own drums that's true <laughs> um yeah i like did i that whole entire last sequence was a lot to take in yeah um, so i didn't i didn't even know how to comment on, on the chapter yeah but i like that you you classified it as being groomed by Balikin carden being groomed by him like that is a very apt way to describe it it's Mm -hmm. really really scary um i don't think Harden should necessarily get away with how he acts but it is true like you understand why he is that way now um it's true i i have a lot of comments on that stuff towards the end of my list of comments (laughs) well before we talk about that i just also want to like point out this is like another tortured YA love interest like it's so tiring I'm glad that we're getting more of a backstory than I think most of these guys get but like it is like ugh, like something really bad happened in his past and now he he's this bad boy who needs to be changed blah 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 yeah but it's like a backstory that's actually explainable where it's potentially mm-hmm. not too late to yeah. help him realize how to be good. Um, like, I think a lot of times, because again, I will forever compare him to Snape, because that's just, like, how he is in my brain. Um, but, like, Snape was bullied in high school. Like, we know Snape was bullied in high school. Yeah. But there also wasn't anyone that intervened to get Snape back on the right path instead of falling yeah. in with Voldemort. Um and Lily just like dropped him. She was I like, okay. <laughs> She's like, like oh, I will never forget You called that. me a mudblood? Yeah. Bye. I mean, to be fair, you gotta protect yourself, right? Like, yeah. I don't blame her. He was cruel to her for no reason other than he was jealous, and that's not her fault. She yeah. wasn't entertaining James, and he was just bitter that she wasn't head over heels in love with him. And like, that's not her and fault. I, but yeah, that that wasn't redeemable. But um, he, I think the problem is he, she that we will not name, <laughs> really dug her heels into making Snape this like awful person, and then at the end was like, but he wasn't that awful, and that's like that's a really really big problem. Well, and that's why she didn't give him enough of a redemption arc. Exactly, that's where he could have yeah. ever been redeemable. Whereas like. 
Cardin, because we're getting him so young now, he actually can still be fixed. And all of this mm-hmm. bad grooming and bad behavior that and cruelty that Balakin's instilling in him by bullying him, we can shed all of that away and make him a better person. Yeah. But no one ever intervened in Snape's life when he was 17 to do that. Yeah. So... I have many comments about it, um, but, <laughs> okay. okay, so I'm going to just backtrack to some of the beginning stuff mm-hmm. of the chapter, and then we can we can really dive into some of this card and stuff. Okay. Well, so first off, the beginning of the chapter makes me really sad when Jude is talking about the different kinds of humans in fairy and, like, how they all interact with the mm-hmm. world and how horribly they're treated. Yeah. Um... I mean, for the most part, it's like, you'll come, you'll be a midwife and help deliver a baby, and then you'll get extra shiny hair and get let back into the human world. Like, fine, whatever. But what mm-hmm. really made me sad is when they were talking about the changelings, but the human ones, which is something I've never even thought about, right? Because it's like, when you think mm-hmm. about changelings, you think about the fairies being left to cause havoc in the human world, but you don't think about what's happening to the human babies in the fairy world um and it just made me really sad that like they get taught in this sort of like lesser status circle and like basically they're going to like the lowest of the low public schools while jude is in an ivy league prep college Um, they're treated like the muggleborns at least the muggleborns get to go to hogwarts that's true these kids are like squibs they are treated in the way that if Voldemort had come to power. Yeah. That's what happened. Anyway, I'm jumping for continue, continue. But I, it just made me really sad because it's like I recognize Jude and Taryn's struggle, obviously, mm-hmm. um, given how much Cardin and team hate them and, like, how cruel they are. Cardin and team. Cardin, Cardin his circle of jerks. Um, but they really actually do have a huge amount of privilege in this world compared to some of the other humans. And I don't know, it it seems like Jude doesn't fully recognize that privilege, which was a little irritating, but it also put into perspective why her situation with being educated with the gentry and why Cardin is so angry with her being there is happening the way that it's happening and why her mm-hmm. situation is so unique um, compared to all of the other human children. Because Maddox could have just dumped them off with the changelings. <laughs> but he didn't. He, like, fought for them to be educated like they were highborn fairies. And so, again, I love Maddox. <laughs> I'm, like, dreading when the moment comes that will make him irredeemable in my eyes. I'm so sad. Um, I love that you're, like, waiting for it to happen. Because you kept saying in the early chapters, like, Maddox is not a good person. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Are you sure, though? Because I love him. Um, I guess I get he murdered their parents, but, like, other than that, he's been great. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying, I, like, I will say that in book one there is stuff that isn't 
like he does mm-hmm. but isn't terrible necessarily depending on your perspective mm. i think it isn't until book three that we really kind of get this like oh god like mm. i don't want that you know. no 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 he's perfect right now i love him just the way he is right now <laughs> Okay. Uh, I am irritated that Jude is fighting with Vivi. Vivi's just trying to help. And Jude needs to stop trying to shoulder everything on her own. Like a classic YA heroine that refuses to accept help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just listen to your sister. God damn it. Um, and just in general, when we meet the different human servants and, like, how horrible it is in Hollow Hall, it's such a stark contrast to the lightness of Maddox's house. Yeah. Where you have, like, Tatterfell, like, braiding her hair and being her friend, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. you have servants around, but they're not mistreated. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's just a very stark contrast compared to Maddox's house. Um, Also, so Nevermore, can we talk about this? Is this supposed to be, like, opium? Um, that was the vibe I was getting. Yeah, I think it's basically like a fairy drug. Well, no, drug. It, I got the news that it was a drug. Oh, sorry, I was what just, type of drug? Right, sure, like a, yeah. a comparable. <laughs> well, because it's like they could be doing. It's not ecstasy because it's not. Yeah. Hyping them up, they're like laying around, potentially looking dead. It felt the vibe Very of it opium. felt like like an opium mm-hmm. den. Where people were, like, just languishing around with no motivation to do anything. But I just wanted to confirm that that hit your understanding as well. Yeah, I guess I didn't think a lot about it. (laughs) My familiarity with drugs is actually not that good. (laughs) Oh, well, you know me. (laughs) Me and my opium use. (laughs) Oh, God. I've never tried a drug in my life. (laughs) I, like, the hardest I've ever gone is the laughing gas when I got my wisdom teeth taken out. <laughs> That's hardly anything. I don't even think I took my Vicodin afterwards. Like, I just... <laughs> oh. Clean as a whistle over here. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I, just based on pop culture references, which I'll get yeah, into, yeah. opium was the vibe I was getting. Uh, okay. Also, dude should not be stealing books from Cardin. (laughs) Like, does she not remember what happened yesterday when she pissed him off? But is he gonna realize that a copy of Alice in Wonderland is missing? Like, I don't know. Is it worth risking it? I mean, probably not, but... Just saying just saying maybe it's his favorite book and his mommy fairy read it to him when he was falling asleep at night maybe and it's what he turns to for comfort after getting beaten alice in wonderland i don't know i I mean i know that he's like this tortured teenage boy but at the same time (laughs) alice in wonderland like, I don't know. Is that anyone's favorite book? I could really see him vibing with, like, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Seems pretty in line with his personality. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he just wants to hang out with Alice's cat at the beginning of the book before she falls in the hole. <laughs> that was always, like, the biggest tragedy of Alice in Wonderland was the cat. 
<laughs> to me. Poor cat. Dinah. No. Dinah's the yeah. cat's name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. God, I haven't watched that movie in years. Um, okay. Well, I just... She shouldn't steal things. And the whole thing... Like, she was so paranoid, and it was making me paranoid. And I was like, is this all a ruse? I don't know. Did Cardin put Dane up for this? Maybe. But actually, no, because you just happened to randomly wander into Cardin's room. Like, that has nothing to do with the actual reason you're here. (laughs) But I was just getting paranoid because she works me up, and I hate her narration. God, it irritates me. Um... Also, I just think before we get into the actual beating of, of Cardin, which we'll talk about in a second, um, when Cardin's just being really, like, cavalier, where he's like, I don't want to fight today, or, like, you know, just, like, playing everything off, and he's a really shitty fighter, and he just, like, doesn't care that he's a really shitty fighter, he just reminded me of every drunk trust fund ivy league boy i knew in college oh god where so funny they're cruel to people just because they can be but they don't have any skills or worth that they provide to the world um but they have this false sense of confidence from well and they have like some sort of connection to a connection who's going to get them that special job even though they're probably not qualified for it it's infuriating and this is Cardin's whole personality yes he is a trust fund baby he is sick son but a trust fund baby i also kind of love how he's just ignoring everything balakin says but the moment Balakin makes a comment about his pathetic romances, Cardin's like, ah, I'm yep. gonna bite you. He's such a teenage boy. So why do we think that that's triggering to Cardin? Is it because he's still so ashamed of the fact that he's into Jude? Or is there another fairy girl that's, like, piqued his interest that Balakin knows about? Well, I feel like Balakin wouldn't know about Jude, for one. So th- that can't be it. I think he's just really being a teenage boy where he's like, like, don't make fun of my romance life. Like, I know it sucks, but, like, only I know it sucks, so. But it almost feels like he's defending the honor of someone, but I don't know whose honor he'd be defending. Like, we don't hear him actually being interested in any girls. Oh, he is. I think it gets introduced later, though. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes more sense. I just don't have the context because Jude doesn't know anything. And it's frustrating. Okay. I know. She's a terrible narrator, but, you know. Eh, it's fine. I also, so, where Jude kind of goes on her internal monologue towards the end of the chapter about seeing herself in Cardin, I, I think that little sort of paragraph is weirdly beautiful in a way. Like, obviously there's no excuse for him to act the way that he does, which we kind of Mm -hmm. already talked about. But given the way that teens' brains develop and how they intake information and then react and put that back into the world, everything that's happening to Cardin is, like, the telltale signs of how bullies are created, right? Like, yeah, you have 
no control over everything that's happening to you at home and so you create situations where you can have control and a Mm -hmm. semblance of power in other situations where you tend to hurt children who are smaller than you because that's the only place that you feel in control of your own life um and so you exert that control and that power over people that are weaker than you and so that's Jude is on the receiving end of that, obviously, which sucks for her, but she can at least now understand where he's coming from, because even though she doesn't lash out in the same way where she bullies people, we know that there are lots of things that she feels a lack of control over, and so she's trying to exert that same semblance of control by asking to become a knight, by deciding yeah. on her own to become a spy, um, so she can have a little thing that's just hers that Maddox and Taryn and Vivi can't interfere with. Um, yeah, I just I thought that whole scene was really impactful, where Jude's kind of inner monologuing, because even though we're not actually getting a ton of Cardin's side of the story in this. There's so much character development for both him and Jude happening that I just thought it was it was really, really well done. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and then I also know that I could probably come up with pop culture references for hours about, like, how to create a bully and what you see inside a bully's house. But I won't do too many pop culture references when we get into that section um, because it's a, it's a plot device that happens in YA. Like, yeah. it's not a new trope or or plot device and it definitely is one that needs to be treated with a lot of care because if you don't treat it with care you run into a Cerberus Snape situation right where they're not actually redeemable um and you need to treat it with a lot of sensitivity because it can trigger people and it can be really upsetting because you can't ignore the plight of the victim of who's actually being bullied which Mm -hmm. in this case is Jude But you also can't paint the bully as good or evil, given the complications of the story. Um, And I think that the way Holly Black laid it all out in this chapter was a really good iteration of the plot device, because she made both characters feel very, I mean, I know Cardin's not human, but feel very human in their motivations for why they do the things that they do, and reach that semblance of understanding between Jude and Cardin, even though Jude recognizes that the way he acts is not okay. And it doesn't excuse his cruelty, but she understands a little bit deeper of the layers that he has now without excusing the behavior, which I just thought, bravo, (laughs) so well done. I'll also add Holly Black, like, I don't think I'm spoiling anything with this, but like Holly Black treats Cardin and Jude's inevitable relationship really well later on. Mm -hmm. Um, Jude never takes on this like caring mode like it's never this feeling like Cardin has has this tortured background or like Jude has this like terrible history with her parents death like neither of the characters are trying to like at any point later on kind of help like it it's not central to their character to help this other character like Mm -hmm. they have their own things going on and just happen to be around each other right um like, that's what will always annoy me with, like, the tortured romance, romance, you know, thing, is, like, it's expected of one of the characters to then take care of this character and, like, help them, like, To 100%. fix them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's all that their character is. Like, no. They both, like, it. they do help each other, but, like, it, it's not their entire 
It's like character storyline. Well, and that's the whole, like, that, again, mirrors human relationships. Like, we enter into relationships to make yeah ourselves happy and to make other the person we're in a relationship with stronger if it's a healthy relationship each other and you support each other but if your personality is the entirety of your relationship like if your personality is defined by your relationship yeah not that jude and carton ever get to that in anywhere near the first two novels but (laughs) but you know but i'm just saying like even in a friendship right like if your personality is fixing another person or like spending all of your energy and time helping another person and that's the only thing that defines you you're in a toxic relationship whether that's a romantic one or a friendship one you can't be in those situations because you're not creating a healthy space for yourself to be an individual um yes and we'll see how it plays out based on what you're saying i feel confident that it'll play out well for them um but uh yeah not for a while but (laughs) no but like even here we can see that it's like they are individuals they have their own individual struggles and things that they're working on by themselves but there's a relatability between the two of them that if they were to ever actually talk about it they could relate they can make each other stronger but they both have other things that they care more about Mm-hmm. Cardin wants to go get drunk and party, and Jude wants to spy on his brother. It's great. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's all I had for chapter 12. Do you want to move on to chapter 13? Let's do it. Okay, you got to start because I think you have a lot. I have some. Okay. So the first comment is very vapid, but there are too many okay. colors in Dane's room. See, like, I would never have written a note like that. Like, there's too many colors described by Jesus. She says that his You do room... not like her descriptions, do you? No, I like the descriptions of people. But, like, she says that Dane's room has scarlet, dark blue, and dark green. Who designed that? Those don't go <laughs> maybe, together. Maybe Dane just is colorblind. You don't know. <laughs> So then why would you add so many colors? Because he doesn't know what he's picking out and he thought, he's oh, a like that prince. shade of gray looks really nice. <laughs> he's a prince. He didn't design his own room, Julia. Get real. <laughs> Maybe come his on. servant was and he's a boy. He doesn't care. Like, come on. <laughs> you think any men care about what they, their places look like? Well, because Jude was Only talking the good about- ones, but true. he's not a good one. Probably. Also probably true. I keep forgetting that he is like bodies covered in bear fur like i just can't <laughs> picture it uh, but yeah. i like really do not want this to ever be made into a tv show or a movie because i don't want to look at that ever i think they'd have to just disregard those descriptions yeah. And make them, like, just do their all own thing. look like Cardin, where they're humans with tails. Or, like, one funky feature. <laughs> so he could have, like, really hairy, I don't know, like, sideburns or something. <laughs> oh, God. He's gonna be the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. <gasps> or he could be Beast from X-Men and be blue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um... Anyways, the colors did too much happening in his room. He needs to get another interior designer. And then I just had a comment in here that, like, Jude 
fascinates me every single week. I cannot relate to her at all. Like, not one part of her is relatable to me. Like, and the reason for that is because if I have a fear of something, I avoid it at all costs. Well, that's what fear makes you do. That's why we fear things. Well, and I also have no bravery or courage whatsoever. <laughs> Jude lives in fear slash kind of anticipation of so many things around her and, like, things getting discovered or messed up or, like, freaking out that, like, everyone is going to suddenly know the bad things that she's doing. But she chases after that feeling. Like, she wants to put herself in more <laughs> situations like that. Um and she's like, oh, yes, I'm going to continue to spy because, like, I get that adrenaline rush, but I can kind of control the outcome rather than just, like, my general fear of just, like, existing in the world. So I'm going to chase more fear, but, like, feel like I know what the rules of the game are. And I'm like, that's fascinating. I would just go cry in a corner like Taryn. <laughs> so I think she's a very compelling character. I just can't relate to her at all. Like, I cannot. She's not you. No. She's the opposite of me. She is what I would like to be. I don't even want to be this. I'm content <laughs> with the way that I am. I'm content being a scared little cat, just, like, off in the corner reading a book. I'm good. <laughs> I also... I mean, I'll go on my tangent about how much I love Maddox, but like her whole <laughs> internal monologue about um Maddox being probably disappointed in her like not pleased with what how she's been conducting herself because it goes against sort of the straight laced honor of a soldier and a knight in, in battle and I kind of agree with having Maddox honor in a situation like this like I I know his overall honor code is twisted, and we've definitely talked about that, but, and well, and I also know that spying's necessary in a lot of ways, and it does a lot of good things. Like, I get this, but I don't like the duplicitous nature of spying. Like, that's just never been something that's sat well with me, which is another reason why I don't like how much Jude enjoys lying, because that, again, just doesn't, it doesn't sit with me. Um, and Maddox's whole vibe is, like, I mean, if I'll if I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill you, but you'll know why I killed you and that I'm going to do it. Like it's straight in your face, like to the point. He's not duplicitous in any way, um, and I appreciate that about him. I don't really like Jude's secret spying adventures, and I think Maddox becoming my favorite character, and I just don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> You're having a crisis I over am. there. I'm having an existential. I literally wrote that. I think Maddox is slowly becoming my favorite character, and I don't know what to do with it! Question mark, question mark, question mark. So, if you have any I'm advice so sorry. for what I'm, I can do with it. I mean, I again, like, he has a lot of redeemable features right now, and I don't know that necessarily what happens in book one is going to turn you against him. Mm-hmm. So, for right now, you're pretty good. I don't know, I'm just going to be really disappointed later, I'm sure. It's fine. Well, we'll get there when we get there. <sighs> it's fine. Um, okay. The poison. Mm-hmm. This whole thing seems stupid. 
Oh, I I looked up that um word. I did too. <laughs> um, because ha- I just thought this because it has to do with poison, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I completely forgot about this entire storyline. Like, it is an actual like large part of the book that she goes <laughs> through. Like, she is like you. She's like, I'm gonna look this up now, and then she's like, Okay, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> like. So, for those that don't understand what we're saying, uh, Mithridatism is, according to Wikipedia, the practice of protecting oneself against a poison by gradually self-administering non-lethal amounts. Basically, making yourself immune to the poison, like letting your body adjust to it, which is questionable. I just thought of another pop culture reference. Oh my god. (laughs) I should have a shot every time you think of a pop culture reference. (laughs) I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, We're going to carry the pop culture references for 13. I can't think of anything. I've got, you know, I'm just I'm full of random thoughts. This happens every single episode. Um, okay, I got it. I'm good. I'm sorry. Um, but, so, wait, going back to the general poison thing, not the Mithridatism, but the general poisoning thing. I just remember that. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair, because I literally, I I wrote, I did write a comment in here, I was like, what is this? I was scared to Google it in case it's a book-specific spoiler, because for whatever reason, Google, or my pages, does not recognize it as a word, and so it's giving me, like, an a red little spelling error thing and i'm like what is the spelling error i don't understand (laughs) is this not a word so i was worried it was something that she created for the book and so i was scared to google it beforehand um but for the poison thing jude so jude makes a comment to herself again about the poison she's like of course it must be for prince jane whom else would Balakin need some special poison to kill? If he were going to put regular people to death, he'd probably use some kind of cheap, regular person poison. <laughs> That's a direct quote, by the way. Like, exactly what I is mean, written. she's a teenager. But I don't understand. Are smart. Does, is this poison only kill royalty? I mean, my guess is that the they... Being royal gives you privileges, extra, like, health points. <laughs> Are video game characters? Yes. <laughs> They're the legendary Pokemon guys. <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, I'm, like, my guess is, I don't know. Maybe... I guess I took it as being, like, maybe they have people who test out their food for Mm -hmm. them. Um, So they would be able to, like, trace bits of certain common poisons pretty easily if if they put it into their food or whatever. Mm -hmm. Versus something which is harder to get. So they might not be able to pin it out or, like, find find out about it right away. Well, and you would probably need a slow-acting poison. That would not kick in for, like, a delayed amount of time for, like, 12 hours or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, like, that makes sense. It's just the way that she said it because, like, this <laughs> poison. Regular people poison. <laughs> this specific poison will kill anyone. Arsenic will kill anyone. Like, Dame does not have a special status that only certain poisons will kill him. That's true. That's true. So it was just a weird. It was just she's a, a teenager. I, I'm gonna I say know. this like every podcast, but episode, everything else in this book is so well written. Even Jude's dialogue. That this statement, I was like, no, what? I don't buy into this. What? This is dumb. Yeah. I also am finally willing to admit that I may be wrong, and Maddox may not be involved in a coup. Because <laughs> Balakin is plotting a coup. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we know that Maddock is not going to work with Balakin, so. Okay. Am well, I wrong? I'm not telling you anything. I will say that there is something big that happens, but I'm not going to tell you who does it and what it is exactly. Well, you did tell me, because you said there's nothing in book one that'll make me turn against Maddock. And I no, I didn't say that specifically. I said I don't know if it's enough for you to turn against him. So there is no, a coup. Don't. I didn't say that there's a coup. I just said that there's something big that happens. I love spoilers. Um, so I horrible. I I'm don't. So sorry. I'm not about to spoil the rest of the book for you and our like one oh, listener out there. I know we're just reading it so slowly that I'm just like. Patience. I want to have this. Patience. When have you ever known me to have patience? I read two books Sunday night. I have no patience. I don't think that Maddox could be super involved in the coup. And the reason is because we know Maddox doesn't like Balakin. And we've known that for a while. And although I know that fairies can't... Can manipulate the truth to kind of lie. Even though they can't actually lie. That's a really long con. To pull off if you can't lie. So, that's my reason for thinking Paddock is not involved in the coup. To... Okay. Yeah. Uh... And then I just have more comments about Maddox's code of honor being compelling. Um, with her flashback memory that... I don't know, like, the kind of narrative that we get fed as young girls which i know you probably got fed this narrative too through society not necessarily your specific parents but society that are always telling us that like the only kind of man that we're gonna want to marry is a man like our father right um that always creeped me out i was like that's so weird it is weird but it's a societal narrative that gets pushed on us. I mean, as I've young girls. literally read it in YA books before. It's well, so strange. And so that's what I find interesting in here because like, I mean, she's not marrying Prince Dane, like obviously. But when Prince Dane doesn't live up to her expectations of Maddox's code of honor because he places the enchantment on her, and that's something Maddox would never do, she immediately starts thinking about whether or not she actually wants to support Prince Dane um, because he's not acting like her father figure. And so even yeah. though Maddox isn't perfect, there's all these things that she idealizes about him and none of the other fairies that she encounters 
can even get close to that. And so she doesn't necessarily want to work with any of them because they're not living up to the specific code of honor that her father instilled in her, which I just thought was interesting. Not necessarily great, not necessarily bad. I just thought it was interesting with how much she's actually internalized from Maddox over the years. I took it, I guess, more of a, like, code of ethics kind of situation. Like, Mm -hmm. she learned about ethics, like, I don't know if we could call it that, from Maddox, and that's Mm -hmm. what she's taking into. Like, that's kind of like, from my parents, I learned a certain set of ethics based on them and, like, what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that is an interesting take. It was just the... The idea of it. The, well, the placement of it, too, right? Okay. Where she, like, yeah. he says, I'm going to place this enchantment on you. And then she immediately flashes back to when she first came to Fairy and was crying, but Maddox didn't do anything to her, even mm-hmm. though it would have made his life easier. And then puts that into direct, like, comparison to Dane making his life easier and not trusting her. Um, and that putting her off so it's just because they're like compared right next to each other where she's literally mm-hmm. comparing his actions to Maddox when she was a little girl that it felt very prescient as like a I don't know like a comment of societal beliefs being instilled on young women neither good nor bad just a thing that I noticed <laughs> okay I also thought the lying thing when she's walking with the roach was really interesting. Like, their little conversation about why he would never trust her and her kind of internalizing, thinking about um, how she could have been more duplicitous. Because, like, she could have, right? She could have been more duplicitous and lied to basically her teammates so that she could retrace her step steps and do something sneaky. Um, but Jude would never even think to do that because, again, she has this code of honor and she's not a super duplicitous person, even though she likes to lie. She's not mm-hmm. that strategic <laughs> <laughs> to think seven steps ahead of the people that she's working with. Um, so I just thought that that whole exchange was really interesting. And I may be wrong because I don't know what comes in the rest of the book. But I currently think there is a loophole to her geese. Geus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're smiling at me like I'm right. So she could... I know what you're talking about. She could bring someone with her, but just not tell them anything about where they're going. Oh, that's not the loophole that I was thinking of, but oh. okay, interesting. Huh. Well, because, like, if she could follow where they're taking her and, like, through all these different passageways and stuff. Um, Dane just told her she could not say, write, or sing anything about the Court of Shadows, but she could, like, literally take someone by the hand and move physically move them through the passageways that she just went through. Um, again, she won't know how to actually do that because the roach wasn't being super forthcoming with information. Um, yeah. But she could have done that as a loophole, which... I also have some more loopholes in my pop culture references as potential ideas because then my brain just started worrying <laughs> But as long as you're not explicitly saying something with your words, she could still spoil it all. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'm, there is a loophole in there, but I'm not going to say if that's the loophole. 
I mean, I, have, I basically did before, but... <laughs> I have other loopholes. It's fine. Okay. Anyways, that's all I had for chapter 13. Okay. I, yeah, I did not have much. I will say, like, when I was first reading this, um, I was really excited, I remember, about learning about the Court of Shadows. I thought that was, like, the... Like, this was, like, the next part of the book, which it really kind of is. Because um, I do think in the next chapter, I mean, I'm assuming we, that's when we, like, meet the rest of these spies. Mm-hmm. And they are some of, like, my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. They are very flawed. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, like, really excited to meet them. But I was so excited in that first read. Um, I just remember reading it and, like, the roach just walked in. And it was just like, hi, I'm the Roach. <laughs> like, just very casually. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> Interesting name. Yeah. Um, it just reminds me of Geralt's horse from The Witcher. Because his horse is always oh, named the Roach. The Roach, yeah, that's, yeah. That is interesting. I have a pop culture reference, but it's not quite that mm. for, for Roach. Um, the Roach, sorry. <laughs> Capital T. <laughs> the Roach. It's actually um, lowercase in most of it, but it's still yeah. there. It's like the Roach, capital R. <laughs> I think it's interesting how much time she spends worrying about Dane trusting her and not her trusting Dane. Like, it feels like she's just blindly trusting him with all of this. Like, it's happening very, very quickly. This she He just talked to her the other day. The, the and now he's sending her to, to find treason. Yeah. Like, like, I'm sorry. That's a huge escalation of responsibility. Also, I said this when he first came to her yeah. room and was, like, asking her about this. I was like, I don't trust him. It's, like, an older man manipulating a teenage girl and having sex with him, and I do not like it. Yeah. But, I like, she's still, like, at... That, that's what confuses me, though, is, like, she's still not being, like, should I do this? Like, should I maybe consult someone, like, Maddox or someone that I, like, trust? Or, like, at no point does she really, I mean, I guess with the whole Gia's thing, but then she's, like, okay, let's go into these dark cabinets. <laughs> like, fine. Girl, she's such a mess. I can't with Jude. She has no fear that, like, it will actually impede her mm-hmm. from doing things, and she makes such reckless decisions, and it just gives me so much anxiety for her. She's very reckless. Yeah. I See, I want to be the type of person she is in the way that she conquers fear. I do not want to be reckless in that, though, mm-hmm. in the way that she is. I don't think you can be, though. Like, I don't know that there's a way to, like, be half-Jude. I know. Well, she clearly has emotions she needs to work out. Like, she suppresses everything. Suppresses literally it's everything. It's not healthy. It's um, definitely not. But I'm, yeah. To conclude, I'm very excited for the Court of Shadows. <laughs> I will get excited, too. It was not something I'm super interested in, because I'm just very interested in, um, like, Jude and Cardin's emotional growth. <laughs> I, but, like, that is, like... That's why I liked Six of Crows, too, was, like, I love these, like, groups of people that have this mission that they're on, right? Like, that's my thing. Well, you like the action. You're like, let's go solve a task and, like, get there and woohoo. Like, let's all get together and, like, 
execute on something. And I'm just like, but how do you feel about it? Like, let's talk about how you feel. Is this going to make you a better person? Is this going to make you a worse person? Like, what's going on in your head? Uh, that perfectly explains us. <laughs> it's why we uh, even we like the same books, but we like them for very different reasons every time. That's so true. It just means the books are written really well to cater to a wide range of audiences. This is true. This is very true. Uh, all right. Should we get into pop culture? Yes, let's do it. I'll let you go first for each chapter since you have so many. I have very little. Chapter um, 12. I, in chapter 12, um, my pop culture reference was Hollow Hall. I could not get out of my mind Game of Thrones Herod Hall. Mm, and yeah. Arya, I mean, in Jude's case, she does it willingly goes into this place she does not belong and, like, mm-hmm. has to kind of be invisible and, like, act like she's a servant versus Arya, who, like, is kind of forced into the position of being a servant. But in both cases, like, Arya kind of accidentally realizes she can start spying on mm-hmm. um, everything that's happening around yeah. there. Um, Jude is doing it with a mission already in mind, but, like, also spying, trying Mm -hmm. to find out the secrets about what's going on. Um, and, like, every single time Hollow Hall came up, I really, honestly, this was so hard. It shows you how many times I've watched Game of Thrones, save for the last season. Um, I just kept saying Heron Hall in my head. That's fair. I feel like it, Heron Hall, like, flows better than Hollow Hall. Like, Hollow Hall, I have to really try to say. It's a lot of, it's too much alliteration that I don't like. Um, but I think that's a really good comparison, especially when you also take into consideration the fact that the people that they're spying on in both situations are people that could potentially recognize them if they let something slip Mm -hmm. or looked a little too familiar um so they're both actively suppressing their personalities and their existence but before they have a full skill set to conceal themselves if that makes sense right because that's like before Arya um meets the situation with the whole no name god or the Mm -hmm. many-faced god whatever the Many face God. I don't. I'm not good with the religion of Game of Thrones. It's just not my strong suit. Um, but the many face God, where she can actually conceal herself, and before Jude picks up more tricks, which I feel like they'll just come along the way as naturally comes when you become a better spy, um, mm-hmm. to kind of conceal herself better so that Bale can record and won't recognize her. So I think that's a really good one, Julia. I love that. Oh, thank you. Now, what was yours? <laughs> So, um, my first one focuses a lot on Jude's, like, repression slash suppression of her emotions and, like, putting all of her emotions on a bad thing to the side and trying to singularly focus on one task so that she doesn't have to think about anything else. That is so Veronica Mars. (laughs) Because, so... We haven't had a Veronica Mars reference in a minute. (laughs) They always come for me, you know. I love this show so much. Um, But so, in the beginning of Veronica Mars, so basically what happens one night, like, Veronica gets 
it, before the series actually starts. Veronica gets raped at a party the next morning, like, goes and um, tries to get the police to help her, and the police basically dismiss her. Mm-hmm. And, like, from that moment on, she, like, actively represses all of the feelings from the rape and, like, singularly focuses on trying to find who did what to her and, and like, investigating everything and, like, sneaking around to find out different information on who did the thing to her. But she doesn't let herself actually process the emotions of what happened mm, to her. Yeah. And so it, just the way Jude was describing, like, setting aside all of the feelings from being manipulated with the fairy fruit and, like, trying not to think about it and really focusing on where she had the control and, like, the task where she had some level of power Mm -hmm. was just very reminiscent of when that stuff happened in Veronica Mars. Um, Where it's, you still have this, like, small teenage girl who really doesn't have a lot of control of the circumstances around her and instead of wallowing in the grief from something bad happening they just completely shut it all out and focus on what they can actually change yeah um and also we know that jude and Carden are gonna fall in love at some point and um <laughs> veronica falls in love with logan eccles even though in the first season he's an absolute ass to her so just saying great and they're a love story <laughs> for the ages so uh okay the fairies debauched at the party when they're Uh under the influence of nevermore as i was saying this earlier like it reminds me of opium dens um so my first reference is poppy war oh yeah yeah that should have been an obvious one (laughs) because like when rin is under the influence of opium kind of like that just like Zend out's not the right way to say it, but, like, that feeling of nothingness that you get, um, Mm -hmm. apparently when you're on opium, um, where you may actually look like you're dead, which is what Jude thinks some of the fairies might be dead in this party. Um, it's very reminiscent of opium done, so, like, Poppy War instantly came to, to mind for me. But I also read this book, it was a historical fiction called The Age of Light. Um, no one needs to read it, it was, like, mediocre (laughs) i rated it five stars on goodreads but that's because i never read historical fiction like it wasn't amazing i just enjoyed it because it was the first historical fiction i'd read in like 900 years um but there would be these lavish parties in paris um and this one guy would throw them and the main character would go to these parties with her photographer boyfriend And you'd see, like, little pockets at the parties that were actually secret opium dens where people had that, like, Mm. glazed look where they were just, like, totally out of it. So, reminded me of that, too. Uh, And then... I want to... I also want to add before we go on from Nevermore, I'm pretty sure that has to be a reference to the Edgar Allan Poe poem, right? Nevermore. You're more of a Poe person than I am. Quote, you heard it. Quote the Raven Nevermore. Like, where else is she going to get that? Anyway, go on. Well, and I feel like Poe is very fey. Yeah, exactly. In general. So <laughs> we're, that's, we're classifying that. That's fair. <laughs> it's just a vibe I get, you know. Uh, okay, and then the last... So, I mean, this kind of vibes more into what I feel like the party probably was before Jude got there, and also the fact that she saw a bunch of fairies all sleeping in one bed together when she was walking through. Um, 
but it reminded me of The Witcher, both the book and the TV show, because, so, in the TV show, which is what people are probably more familiar with, there's that orgy that Yennefer has where she's bewitched everyone um, to basically have sex with one another, and there's this, like, giant yeah. orgy, mm-hmm. and Gerald just, like, walks through, and he's like, fix my friend. <laughs> the gin episode. Um, yeah. So that's what happens in the TV show. In the book, him and Yennefer meet at a festival called Bellaton, which is also, again, a, a giant orgy. But that's just, like, more personal one-on-one for them. They kind of, like, try to decide if they're going to hook up that night or if they're going to go hook up with separate people or, like, what they really want from one another um, with all of this, like, chaos around them. <laughs> um and I recognize that that was probably, like, the before state of the party and versus, you know, what we're currently in is the after state that's being described. Mm-hmm. But that's what I imagine was happening, you know, a couple of short hours before Jude walked in um, is that kind of vibe from The Witcher. So it, it kind of sprang to mind. Uh, okay. This was one of the pop culture references I came up with while we were talking. <laughs> But the differences between the servants, so, like, I know Maddox doesn't have human servants, right? He has fairy servants. Yeah. But having the way he treats his fairy servants and the way they engage with the household in Maddox's house versus the way the human servants are treated in Balakin's household reminded me of sort of the spectrum of shitty treatment for house elves in Harry Potter. yeah. So, like, Balakin's more on the edge Dobby. of, like, how the Malfoys treated Dobby. And then yeah. Maddox's more on the edge of, like, how Dumbledore treated Dobby. That's very true. Yeah. That's a good reference. Uh, okay. I will forever say this. Don't steal a book from someone's house in the middle of a party. Um, <laughs> I'm so You cons- are so salty about this. <laughs> no, I just get concerned. So, this comes from... I haven't referenced this show in a while. But you... On Netflix, the one oh god that really messed up show. There's a scene in the first season where um, Joe steals a book from Peach Salinger's house, and she re- realizes that it's gone. And he like sneaks in later to like put it back, and it's this whole big conversation. And she just starts getting really suspicious of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he steals it from her house at a party, and so that immediately <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Because he was a bookseller, and so he was, like, interested in seeing her copy of it or, like, read the specific book that she had. Um, So, yep. That. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Balakin and Cardin's vibe. um, I didn't want to put in too many references here, but there are kind of two key... Not full-scale domestic abuse... So, it's like, in some cases, like, physical domestic abuse, in some cases just verbal abuse, mm-hmm. or, like, you know, disappointment, like, expressing all these things. And both of these came from before he beat him. Um, so, I wrote these down okay. before he beat him, as just an FYI. But it reminded me, partially, of the relationship between Rafe and Ward on Outer Banks, where, like, Rafe was acting out and, like, going and doing drugs and doing all this stupid stupid stuff, but he still wanted his dad to, like, give him responsibility. And his dad's like, you're a fuck up. Like, I'm not doing anything for you. Um, yeah. 
I could see that. And then the... Rafe the, was a terrible character, though. I know. Rafe is way worse than Carden, but I, it just it came to mind. Like, that privileged white boy yeah. that thinks he can do anything even though he has absolutely no skills. Because, again, yeah. this was before he got beat, was the, was the commentary. Um, and then the disappointment in, like, how the person's acting out and, like, not living up to the set standards of, like, excelling at classes and doing all that stuff kind of reminded me of Ronan and Declan. Oh. Huh. Except Declan becomes much more redeemable. Well, Declan also doesn't, like, whip yeah. his brother. I mean, Declan's just annoying, really, right, in the first book. Three books. I don't remember books. now. First, first three books. Three books. Yeah. He is, but, like, Ronan is screwing up. Like, we know Ronan's screwing up. Ronan's yeah, not trying. Yeah, yeah. Ronan is struggling with something internally that he doesn't know how to deal with. And instead of Declan trying to figure that out, he just constantly expresses to Ronan how disappointed he is and, like, what a waste of space he is, basically. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the language that was being used, where it was very clear that Cardin was putting up a wall... And Balakin was not interested in breaking down that wall. He was just interested in breaking it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And that felt yeah. very, like, Declan and Ronan, again, before the beating. Um, yeah. And then, uh, just in general, whenever someone gets whipped or hit, I have many pop culture references that come to mind. Most recently, the Elite with the caning, the public caning, that was brought very vividly to me while we were talking, which was so fun. And then uh, the Hunger Games. They yeah. They a lot in the Hunger Games. That's really true. So in general, uh, this needs to stop being a punishment. Don't hit people. This has been a PSA. Great PSA. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's all I have for Chapter 12. Do you have anything for Chapter 13? I have one Woo-hoo. very important pop culture reference. I'm so Because ready. I've been trying to figure out for ages, I just figured out what the roach reminds me of. Like, okay. the name and, like, what I am picturing in my mind yes. from the description. Yes. And I finally figured it out just now. Okay. In Atlantis, the Lost Empire. I think it's called the Lost Empire, right? Yeah, the Lost Empire. I had to look this up. There is a character whose name is The Mole. And he is a small little guy with glasses and he like tinkers and he like mutters to himself. That is exactly why I've been picturing the roach to be. <laughs> Listen, Atlantis the Lost Empire rules my life. It is an underrated cult classic animated movie. It's one of the best the Disney movies. 2001. It's one of the best Disney movies, like, without is fail. Is it even available on Disney Plus? Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It is? Oh my god, I'm gonna watch I it I think the, it and the sequel are both on Disney Plus. <gasps> the sequel wasn't that good, but the original is, like, come on. Easily top ten favorite movie of I feel like you watched it at your house with you. Did I think I, we were going to, but we didn't end up Maybe then it. I just watched it when I got home. Maybe. I watched I it this summer. Atlantis. I love Atlantis. It's Milo very Thatch, good. my first like animated. Milo film. Thatch is well, my dream guy. Well, probably not my first, but yeah, like, he's everyone's dream guy. Let's be honest. 
He's really not, Julia. He is. Come a bookish beanpole is not everyone's dream type. But like then, like he, the way he grows and, and through the movie, it's just such a great arc, you know. It is, but no one who doesn't like nerds is gonna be attracted to Milo Thatch. Everyone should be. Milo Thatch is the character that gave like pre. 2010 Silicon Valley tech bros like hope <laughs> that they would find love. <laughs> That's horrible. But now they're basically all like investment bankers just with technology, so it doesn't yeah. matter anymore. Uh, where are the Milo Thatches of the world? I need a Milo Thatch. If you're a Milo Thatch and live in uh, San Francisco, <laughs> email us. <laughs> I am available. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was my reference. I love that. That is the most important reference. You are correct. Um, Not Myla Thatch, the mole. No, I know, but Atlantis in general. Yeah. Always amazing reference. <laughs> Plus, it's like traveling to fairy. Like, they just kind of have to go over and under. It's exactly. there. <laughs> I watch Atlantis later. Okay, oh anyway. Uh, okay. Um, just the beginning of chapter 13 again felt very Veronica Mars to me where like Jude feels this rush from spying and like the level of control that she gets from being nosy Mm -hmm. uh just was very Veronica Mars because Veronica Mars like chases after fear like nobody's business and she gets into these, like, dangerous situations and is chasing the same highs so that she can feel in control of the decisions that she's making rather than letting things happening to her. I will mm-hmm. say I still like Veronica Mars much more than Jude because I think Veronica Moore- Mars is much more empathetic than Jude. <laughs> and, like, wants yeah. to help the little guy, whereas Jude's Not a lot more be. selfish. Um, but... I'm still, I'm getting a lot of Veronica Mars vibes. I will probably continue to get those vibes as long as Jude is spying, because, like, Veronica Mars was a private investigator, so Mm. there's similar professions there where, like, the character arc will probably track in similar ways. Um, okay. So, the next one, I told you I just finished The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Mm -hmm. And in the second half of that book. I don't want to give up too many spoilers for people who haven't read it, but um, in the second half of the book, you're stationed, like, the main, the character that you're following, but, like, the setting is you're stationed in a peacekeeper's barracks in District 12, uh, and all of the new recruits get nicknames, but the nicknames are assigned to them by people that were already there, so... They may not like the nicknames that they get. Like, one kid gets called Beanpole, and he hates that nickname. And so that kind of reminded me of how the Roach was like, you don't get to pick your name. We're going to give you a name. Do you think I like this name? No. (laughs) Also very reminiscent of Holes. Ah, that's what I was trying to think of. I was like, where is this nickname thing coming from? That is 100% it. It's Holes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a thing that happens when you're like stationed in barracks or army-ish campish vibes uh where you're with a bunch of people of the I mean in this case they're not the same gender because they're all fairies but you know that happens a lot for like groups of men (laughs) 
where yeah. they're all just like stuck in a room together. They nickname in, in each Jude's other. In Jude's case, she's like, uh, "Do I need one right now?" <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> Welcome the girl into the group. Uh, okay, this was another one of my pop culture references that I came up with while we were talking. But the the mithridatism, right? That thing where you can mm-hmm. ingest a non lethal amount every day to make yourself immune. It's like Damon and Stefan and Catherine ingesting vervain so they can resist compulsion. <laughs> and vampire diaries. <laughs> True. Am I wrong? It's You're poisonous wrong. to them. You're not wrong. Yeah. It makes them weak, and so they just ingest a little bit every day so they become immune to its effects. That's very true. So, just, yep. It's a good one. Thank you. Uh, I, okay, so the, the vow with the forced silence on it. I had two Harry Potter references here. So part of the way that it was being kind of like, forced on her and the fact that she couldn't come up with any loopholes I know there will be loopholes but the fact she couldn't come up with any loopholes felt a little bit like an unbreakable vow uh but also probably more so felt like the secret keeper charm right so like normally what gets placed on houses but the way that it works right is you have one person that is the secret keeper so they can tell any number of people that they want, like the address to a place or whatever the secret is, what's it called, like the Fidelius charm or something, um, mm-hmm. they can tell all those people all those things, but then those people cannot go and share that secret. You can only get it from the one secret keeper. Um, so it prevents spreading of information. So in this situation, Dane and the other couple of fairies are that secret keeper. And even though Jude's yeah. being given the information, she can't do anything with it. Uh, so that gag order kind of reminded me of that. But, and this is where I think my second loophole idea comes in. It kind of reminded me of when Jacob first becomes a vampire in New Moon. Or a, a werewolf, I'm sorry. When Jacob first becomes a werewolf <laughs> in New Moon. A lot to Um, Because he can't tell Bella that he's a werewolf because Sam's put a gag order on the pack. So what he does is he, like, drops these hints where he's just like, do you remember that conversation we had on the beach, like, three years ago? Think really hard about that conversation. (laughs) And, like, drops these hints to try to get her to guess it so that then they can talk about it. Because if they already know, they can talk about it. Um, So... I'm guessing that that's potentially another loophole where Jude can't outright tell anyone about it, but she could potentially get them to guess what she's doing. I will tell you, we find out about the loophole in the first book. That doesn't tell me anything, but thank you. (laughs) Great. Well, you don't have to, like, sit and wait for it to happen. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Yeah. Okay, and then my last pop culture reference. Uh, last time I tried to make a Narnia comment, you told me I couldn't. So I just wanted to see if I could make my Narnia comment now with the cabinet that then goes into, like, this whole <laughs> other world under the palace. <laughs> yes. Because they're literally climbing yes. into a cabinet. It's basically yes. a wardrobe. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Great. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Yay! Alrighty, MVPs. Julia, who's your MVP this week? Mine is Dane. 
Do we know if we can trust him? No, but like, let's be honest, all of the events that happened in these two chapters are because of him. Like, he is the one currently pushing the plot forward. Like, otherwise we would still be, you know, having Jude all up in her feels right now, expressing her emotions, like, I don't know what she would be doing, if it weren't for Dane. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, don't, again, don't know if we can trust him, but he is, he is doing a lot right now. And, like, the fact that he took her under his wing, I mean, I don't know if we can say it like that, but, like, he took her on, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I don't know. There is something to be said about that. Like, he, I know that she thinks he doesn't trust her at all, but, like, he has to trust her in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, mine's right. He trusts her to not be incompetent, which is a big Yeah, thing. exactly. Like, it's, this is the first person who really, like, ha- has given her a task that she feels like she can do. It, an actual responsibility, not, like, a fake yeah. task. Yeah. Um, no, I think that I think that that's fair rationale. Um, my MVP is going to be Cardin. Oh, okay. Uh, because I think this is... In terms of character growth in these two chapters, we get the most, even though it's kind of like invisible character growth, we get the most character growth from Cardin and how much information we learn about him. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I think that he's putting on a really brave face to seem so disinterested with everything that's happening around him, even though he, as Jude kind of rightly points out in the chapter, he must be terrified of his brother um, and kind of the situation that he's trapped in and the, and the lack of control in his overall life. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of, like, in a weird way, like, I'm kind of proud of him for putting on that brave face and not succumbing to the pain and the terror of everything around him, but still trying to, like, be somewhat brave and fight back yeah. a little bit uh, and also wear that mask because it's kind of necessary yeah. as armor. Um, and I'm just – I refuse to ever give it to Jude because it's just <laughs> interesting to me. You hate her so much. I don't – I just don't understand her. I think she's a really interesting character, but, like, do I ever think she's going to be the MVP – Probably not, at least for me. That may change. We'll see. But I There's also think... There's a point where I know I'm going to choose her for MVP. That's but. fair. I, I think the other part of the problem is I don't... Because I can't trust her narration, I'm always second-guessing everything that's happening around her for, like, what's real and what's not in terms of mm-hmm. her and her actions. Um. So, that's yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, plus, I just, I don't know, I feel like you're going to get beat in a chapter. You deserve a little bit of a break. <laughs> also, how oft, how likely are we going to be to pick Cardin I, through the rest of this book? Not likely, Oh, probably. no. So. I, I think that's fair. And I think Cardin, I don't know. It's the one up. moment of vulnerability we've actually gotten from him. Yeah. And I think it, it there is kind of a shift after this too with when it comes to Cardin. So it it it's a fair thing to say that he deserves it. Yeah. Great. Wine review, Julia. What's your what's your wine rating for this evening? <laughs> I would rate this a nine out of ten and compare it to a an Austrian Blaufränkisch. It's you know 
dark. It's acidic. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, pretty full-bodied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's just a lot going on. It's very complex. Like, it's you kind of want to sit and stew over it. Like, it needs time to breathe. You don't necessarily want to keep drinking it. You want to just, like, let it sit for a while and come back to it later on. Um, yeah. But it, it, you like it a lot, even though it's not necessarily great. Like, I, I would not call this exactly something I want to go back and reread. <laughs> well, and it's not an but, easy drinking wine either. Like, no, this isn't easy to read. It's not, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess 9 out of 10. That's, What's I think, wine? the highest rating that you've ever given. Oh, well, there is, yeah, I mean, so it's a, the, the two chapters are pretty complex, right? Like, yeah. we meet new characters, or we're about to, we're, we're introduced to at least one new character, mm-hmm. we get to understand the royal household a lot more, and Jude is really digging deeper into yeah. that whole world, like, it's pretty exciting. It's compelling, um, for sure. It's giving us a lot. <laughs> no, definitely, it definitely is. Um, so for my wine corner, I, I'm gonna go with a 1 out of 10. I actually don't think that there's a lot of extraneous complaining, Mm -hmm. um, in, in these chapters. I mean, Jude has a little bit when she's, like, suppressing her emotions for Vivi, and, like, Mm -hmm. at that conversation at the beginning, but I don't think it's unnecessary. She's doing what she can to survive in this moment, because, what happened to her the day before was really traumatic, like extremely traumatic. Yeah. And she has a job, and it's going to be a lot easier to focus on that job rather than dig through her trauma. Um, yeah, and she's not really whining so much as she's just like, I need to cope right now, and like this isn't going to exactly. Me. It's not whining. It's not angsty. She's not like reveling in all mm-hmm. of this angst and concern around here. She's just efficiently like blocking it out she's like nope i'm not gonna think about that i'm gonna focus on this other task i'm gonna get this task done carden does not complain mm-hmm. he's sassy like he makes sarcastic comments back to bail again but he's not complaining about anything that's happening to him he's not whining or saying woe is me or any of that stuff and uh the angstiest person in the group which is taryn we don't talk to her this chapter so <laughs> Oh, it was so nice without Taryn for a couple chapters, wasn't it? It was. I really like her, but God, she's just so basic. I know. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a 1 out of 10, which I think is my lowest rating so far. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yep. All right. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Do you have any last comments before we plug our socials? I don't think I do. I'm very excited for what, what happens. I think next. Um, it's so hard to remember the events of this book because, like, a lot at some point there is a big turning point, and like mm-hmm. it, like there's it's just like one thing after another. Yeah. Um, and I think that the Court of Shadows is like what is starting to really lead up to it. Um, That's fair. Like, I'm sure we're getting there. starting to turn. Like, yeah, we're getting Court of Shadows, and we have Dane now. Like these are like the big things. True. It's true. I'm excited. I'm excited for you to see the loophole of this Gias. I'm very excited to see it. And if I'm very, very wrong or somewhat close. <laughs> you need to be keeping track of these predictions. 
That one I think I'll remember once we get okay. to it. I'll know if I was right or wrong. Um, I'd probably be a bit upset if I didn't even think about the loophole because that'll just like hurt my Ravenclaw brain a little bit. Um, <laughs> that I couldn't outlogic the situation. So I'm hoping I already called it, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> my predictions have been wrong so far, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how everything progresses. And I can tell, like, we're definitely coming to a head soon. Um, like things are starting to build, build, and I can tell they're gonna, they're gonna go pretty quickly, um, to kind of bring us out of the end of book one. And by that, I mean the sub book, book one, part one, (laughs) which still irritates me, but I'll let it go. It's fine. Uh, Great. Well, then, if you guys are enjoying the podcast and you aren't following us on social media, <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Unnecessary Angst Pod, which we actually have posted on our Instagram recently. So stay tuned. It's exciting stuff. Another blooper rule, real rule. <laughs> Another blooper reel uh, will probably be hitting our Instagram TV soon, um, just because I have a lot of <laughs> clips stockpiled <laughs> between the concealed and the start of uh, the Cruel Prince, so we'll potentially be releasing another one of those soon. Um, if you're just interested in, like, commentary on our lives and actual bloopers, most of it's just deleted scenes, but they're, they're fun. That'll be posted on Instagram. Uh, and then you can follow us on Twitter, which we still don't post on, at unangstpod. And you can send us emails with thoughts on the books that we're reading, um, thoughts on other books that you want us to read, thoughts on book recommendations that, you know, it's like if you like Six of Crows and you want other books that we would recommend based on our love of Six of Crows, <laughs> we'll give you those things. <laughs> Uh, you can just email us at unnecessaryinkspot at gmail.com. And I think that's pretty much it. So thanks everyone for listening this week. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.